Episode 69. Nice. 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 The Green Death. The finale of season 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it about, dear? Death, mostly. Um, some green... Green death? Green stuff. Some, some death. Uh, quarries? There's quarries. Oh, uh, speaking of which, death. yeah. Speaking of which, we start in a quarry. Uh, it's closed though, and people are still in the tunnels looking around and shit. Apparently, car pulls up to a research center of chemicals called Global Chemicals, and there's press everywhere. I thought it was press. They're just miners. Man in a hat makes an announcement. Announcement says, "Look, I have this piece of paper. It means you're getting money." And then another dude who's like a hippie speaks up and he's like, "No, coal is dying." Uh, listen, shut the fuck up. You don't need that. And the other dude's like, okay, but Jobs, you may be well off, but we're fucking not. And actually, he's a professor, apparently. And they they bicker. And something's happening, and then the we see there's a green-covered man releasing steam from something. I didn't really understand, because I don't know what the fuck mines and quarries are about. And he's dead and super green and like his skin is all green and glowy. It's weird. Joe is having breakfast with the doctor while he's repairing the TARDIS. Now that he's forgiven by the Time Lords, he can go anywhere. And I now hate Joe because she hates eggs and bacon. So that's a thing. Um, Yep, Dia hates Joe now. Joe is reading the news and talking about global chemicals and she's just like, no, that can't happen. Blah, blah, blah. I need to go there. And the doctor's like, yeah, let's go. You know, to Metabilis 3 or whatever the fuck. And she's like, no, that's not where the fuck I want to go. What the fuck? And they're like, you never listen. <laughs> the brig is asking the doctor to go see about the glowing green man. The doctor's like, no. Joe is also like, no, I have some place to be. Brig is asking the doctor, like, are you sure? And Joe is really worried about pollution. And it's really fucking preachy. And then the Brigadier and Joe are going, but the Doctor wants to fuck off in the TARDIS, so he does. Doctor offers her to leave again, and, like, she's nearly fucking crying about pollution. And then he's like, you know what, I'll go with you, but I'll be there later. She's like, alright, whatever. So, (laughs) the Doctor is now like, I'm sad that he doesn't, she doesn't want to hang out with me more, and he leaves in the TARDIS. And they all head to a place called Whole Wheel? And the doctor lands on Metabilis 3, where these giant things instantly attack him. Joe is looking around this house that she breaks into, and the professor's there. Joe's fucking up a shit ton of stuff. She's like, I really want to talk to the professor, and you're wasting my time. And the doctor is running around and doing shit, and almost getting eaten by fucking animals. Um, also, one of them is a giant snake PNG. Joe and the professor are having a fun laughing time now. They're also making a new fungus here that's high in protein because they want to help the whole world and replace meat. The brig is talking to chemical bros. Uh, There's two of them. One with glasses, one without. The one with glasses is nice. The one without is not. As well as he's like, I'm going to call the doctor and get his opinion on this. And the doctor is not home. Can't answer the phone because he's currently getting attacked by a giant bird. And by a giant bird, I mean its feet. Chemical bros don't understand why the hippies don't like them. The hippie, meanwhile, don't understand why they don't like them. 
Um, and they want to use alternative energy sources, such as the sun and the wind and the water and all the things, and they make it sound terrible. And then the brigadier doesn't understand how the chemical bros will have little to no waste. And then we cut back to the hippies and they're like, actually, no, it's going to have tons of waste. Like, what the fuck? Joe wants to check out the mines and runs off. And the miners also want to check out the mines. And that's not great. Chemical bros want to seal off the mines and the brigadier wants to investigate the mines. But then the doctor's back. He came back. He grabbed a sapphire. He's he back. He came back. Mm-hmm. Swooping back into unit, answers the phone. He's like, all right, I'll be there. Chemical bros are worried about the brigadier and goes, I want you to... I can't remember. And then he was like, wait, no, no one's got to go down to the mines. I'm perfectly okay and all right. Trust me. I'm perfectly okay and all right. Trust me. Then goes and puts some weird headphones on and vibes out to, like, Pink Floyd. Joe comes up and goes, hi. But then the miner calls up, begging for help. He's also now green since he went to the mine. So now Joe has to go down with another miner because she knows first aid. She can help. Meanwhile, the brigadier and the doctor are driving up. They're like, no, someone's going into the mine. And the doctor tries to stop them. But then the brakes on the the elevator won't work, meaning that the elevator isn't going to stop. That's the episode. Oh, no. So. Oh, boy. Um. The the little speech that, uh. Uh, starts the episode where Stevens, <clears throat> sorry, I have something in my throat. Uh, Stevens, the the bad guy with the moustache who vibes out to Pink Floyd and is talking to the miners about, you know, uh, wealth in our time and this is important that we have this. Blah 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 blah. Um, was meant to be a mimicry of. Uh, <clears throat> mm, pardon me. Um, Neville Chamberlain's "Peace for Our Time" speech. Which was regarding the 1938 Munich Agreement, which, for those that don't remember, 1938, uh, Hitler went to uh, Czechoslovakia and went, I want that. And uh, the rest of Europe being like, we have treaties with them where we'll defend them. And if you do that, we'll go to war. How about we just, you know, talk this out a little bit? Um, And... uh, that resulted in Neville Chamberlain, uh, the uh, then Prime Minister of, of the United Kingdom, uh, essentially going, uh, okay, okay, how about we convince them to let you take the Germans that are in that country back so, you know, you can have your... Since, like, the plebiscite that they had seems to be, like, uh, they, they want, they kind of agree with you, so, okay... So how about we do that? Everyone cool with it? And everyone was like, eh. And so he went to Hitler and Hitler went, okay, also now I want the land that my army is now occupying. And Neville Chamberlain went, uh, I, oh, we really want to avoid war. So can you just give it to him? <laughs> Needless to say, Neville Chamberlain did not last long as prime minister. He was replaced by a fascist, um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Winston Churchill. Uh, so, yeah, that's what that was meant to be mimicking. The, the whole, uh, 
you know, times are great. We need to keep times as they are. Things like we need to do everything we can to preserve it, even if that means essentially giving up what peace is all about um, and what having peace is all about. Um, uh, which is, you know, interesting, but that's what you get when you get a story like this one written by <clears throat> the person that it's written by, which again, by the way, is uh, Robert Sloman, who is similar to um, uh, Malcolm Hulk in his writings of uh, very, very message-heavy stories, which this one is one of the most message-heavy uh, about pollution in general and uh, uh, environmental awareness, etc., etc. Um, but yeah, that's wait. Yeah, this episode's a lot to about talk environmental about awareness. Wow, who would have thought? Who would have fucking um, thought? So what? What? What happens next, dear? Do I have to? Please. Okay. Well, the doctor shoves a piece of metal in the gear, and then they reverse the motor in order to slow it. And Joe and the miter made it get down safely. They're about twenty feet up, so they climb down. Uh, they're like, okay, we're going to rig up another system to get the other side working because it's a, it's a balance thing, right? One side goes up, the other side goes down. Global Chemicals has cutting equipment they can use, uh, but when they get, when they call, they get cut off and they're like, wait, <laughs> that's the miner. He's all green and shit, says Joe. Let's ask the hippies instead, says the doctor, for the cutting equipment. And then all of them go talk to Global Chemicals. Because they don't have the cutting equipment, but Global Chemicals does. Again. Hooray! Um, one of the chemicals guys wants to leak shit, but is stopped. And then a computer says to process him. And then they... Process him! And then he, ah. when he comes back, he's all good to respond. Nope, sorry, we got no cutting equipment. Sorry. Can't help ya. But then the second chemical bro, who's nice, is being like... Dude, you're being all weird, just processed guy. And the brig comes in to talk to Yates for something. And apparently Yates is here. Um, the doctor mentions that the brakes were tampered with on the elevator, sabotaged, murder, and so on. And there's an emergency shaft cut off that Joe and the other miner that she's with could probably find. So they head that way. Doctor finally meets Professor Jones and he goes, wow, your papers are pretty good for your, like, caveman era, which is really fucking backhanded. Um, also, do you know how to break into global chemicals? And they're like, well, sure. And then there's a protest happening outside the main gate so that the doctor can sneak in instead with a cherry mm. picker because the fence was electrified. But he sets off an yep. alarm anyway. Chemical bro, who's bad, sees this and is told to not really do anything just yet by the computer person in the room. And then actually let's apprehend him because I decided instead of doing nothing, let's do something. Doctor is caught. Joe is yep. still scared of the mines. Doctor beats up the guards with ease, runs away. Uh, he hides with some pipes, but then gets caught when the gate like closes in on him. And they're like, oh, you want the cutting equipment? Sure. Why did you just ask? Take him to where it is, and it opens up. There's nothing there. So, of course. Um, the Brigadier, however, has gotten back from his excursion to the city with cutting equipment. So they cut the line of the elevator, and an ele another elevator then can start to head down. And is not at all green screened. It's perfectly there. 100%. 
Yep, absolutely there. Joe and the other miner, Bert, are where they wanted to go, but they're taking a rest because they still have a ways to go. But there's this weird green light down here and it smells rotted and bad and this weird ooze is burns to the touch and it's green so that's weird uh we find out that the first miner is dead and full green now at this point doctor finds out wherever everyone went they're like all right let's just follow them even though they're turning green now uh he tells joe to leave behind the corpse and she's like no okay fine and then while the doctor and them get really fucking easily to the green goop area comparatively to Joe and her minor, and the doctor's like, okay, well, this way is too dangerous, so now we gotta go back to make sure no one else comes this way. And then Joe stumbles on a maggot pit, and the doctor finds her moments later, and it's a good thing, because all the worms are super small. Oh, there's big ones now. Aha, uh-huh, that's the episode. Oh, maggots. Yep. They're very biggy. Yep. Big, 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 big. Yep. Big, 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 big maggots. So yeah, a bit environmental. Um. So Barry Letts was increasingly concerned that he would be unable to reconcile his job making exciting stories set in his future with his belief that there probably wasn't actually going to be a future. Um. He was a little bit scared about, you know, environment and everything. Uh, as with the Damons, Terence Dix asks the obvious question, why not do a Doctor Who story about it? It's your fucking job. Um, uh, the book that Barry Letts names as the source for his thoughts on ecology, A Blueprint for Survival by Edward Goldsmith, is a pretty good match for the fictional um, uh, for the fictional book that um, <coughs> that a character writes for a different story that is also very much Barry Letts uh, venting his worries about the future uh, invasion of the dinosaurs, um, which we'll get to. Uh, it shouldn't be too surprising that um, this is, that that one of the odd features of this being written is that um, the fact that it was broadcast in the seventies. Uh, it's also one of the most rem- remembered stories of the 70s to a point where uh quite a while ago uh when you would say um like bring up doctor who in the 70s people would be like oh do you mean that one with the the maggots like the one with the giant maggots or the green green maggots it was pretty prominent in a lot of people's minds um but yeah he uh wanted to there was a lot included where he was Wanting to vent frustrations about corrupt officials and uh, wanting to very intentionally me- uh, mention Neville Chamberlain's piece of paper moment. Uh, basically, he wanted to comment on unchecked unchecked capitalism uh, with the Nazis was a means of keeping uh, things in line, especially with Malcolm Hulk, who... um who was very much into writing stories like this, but would only write them if it was something new and unique. Basically, if he was told, like, oh, it's been done before, he would stop writing it. Um, so he he basically tried to beat Malcolm Hulk to the punch on this, so he wouldn't write an overtly uh, unchecked capitalism leads to Nazism sort of story, mm-hmm. which... 
I think they should have done, because Malcolm Holt's version of that would have been very good. Um, but that's why they gave the story to Robert Sloman instead. Uh, they were trying to branch out from Doctor Who because they were trying... Terrence Dix and Barry Letts were desperately trying to look for someone else to take the reins off them, uh, who could manage it without, you know, having it fall apart and put it in uh, good hands, as it were. Um, and they were still looking to go after their spin-off production, Moonbase 3, which, again, woof. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's where we get stories like this, some that are a little bit out there with some things. Uh, but also, another really quick thing before we continue. Uh, a song, songs that were in the charts at the time, uh, uh, a one, Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney in the, wing, in the Wings. Uh, uh, Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's Wheel. So, welcome to the 1970s, dear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, what happened in the next part? Um, well, it's time to run away from them, because we can't touch them, so let's try this minecart instead. Jones wants to go down and save them. Uh, he wants to go into the mine, and the Brigadier wants to go to Global Chemicals. So... The doctor and Joe get in the minecart to steer through the maggots with their eyes closed with sticks. The chemical bros are like, that's okay. Just get someone to talk to uh, the brigadier. And he like winces and nothing happens. But then he just. Okay. Chemical bro is talking to the mind washed guy and he's like we need to help them what the fuck is going on and sneaks into the room that they just walked into and watches him secretly from behind some pipes very obviously anyway yeah. the doctor and joe are safe on the other side climb out head down a crevice unit mentions to gc that they're taking control and investigating now and the the plant might be closed down, so no, no. And then he threatens no, the brigadier no, no. because he knows the Ministry of Ecology as a friend, so don't fuck with them. And Joe and the doctor run into some eggs. He takes one as they pass by. GC, who is good at now questioning what the fuck is going on. And there's a new special storage tank, too. Uh... The brigadier has a whole argument about shit from the prime minister, and he's like, is that a... Uh, do I have to do what you're telling me? Is this an order? And he's like, okay. And he leaves. Joe and the doctor have found a pipe that probably leads to global chemicals and go up it. Brainwash dude decides to put waste into the pipe, even though it's kind of automatic. So they decide to open the door just in time to save them from the waste. The unbrainwashed chemical bro. Oh, hey, doctor, we can talk about stuff for a bit before the brainwashed guy leaves to probably tell on them. So he goes to tell the director that he has a headache. So they put headphones on him and process him again, kind of. But the processing failed. So they're like, use the kill yourself button. And they do. So good GC guy uh, is walking them like Joe and the doctor through the hallway. And then they see the brainwashed guy run past them and then literally just jump off the building. So there's that. Oh no. <laughs> Bad GC guy regrets it. And the, the computer's like, you're sentimental. And then the doctor and the hippies are all partying now. 
But then the doctor gets a phone call and he leaves. The professor is going to be leaving in a few months' time to go to the Amazon. And everyone's like, wow! And the brigadier's like, what the fuck? The doctor comes back in and goes, that miner's dead. Um, And we focus on the professor holding on to Joe's hand. Because relationships don't take more than a day to develop, apparently. Well, if they have an egg. It's the 1970s. Says the, I don't give a fuck what year it is. (laughs) um if they have an egg says the gc dude we have to go get it back because they're gonna find out our plan or something something joe's having a moment with the professor over the minor then after crying they start to make out but then the doctor walks in it right the same second and was like oh hey i was at metabilis three by the way joe and joe's like cool and and that's it i don't care and then the doctor drags off hippie dude and he's like, uh, hey, talk to me about this thing over here, away from her. But then we see that the egg that they had is hatching, and it's a giant maggot that is now coming for Joe. And fuck, right. I hate oh. maggots. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of them. Would it would it uh, entice you to know what those puppet maggots no. were? Nope. It wouldn't. Because they weren't maggots. Good for you. Right. Good for them. They were condoms. Good. Congrats for them. (laughs) I hate them still. Yeah, they they were, um... (sighs) They were just inflated, uh, inflated and stuffed condoms. I can't remember what was in the condoms. Mm -hmm. But... The fact that that's what it was was um, fucking hilarious. Um, the production team were bracing themselves for a storm of protests about this episode, because uh, there's a little bit in it that would probably uh, rustle a few feathers. Um, uh, because, you know, they were using Doctor Who for such a polemic issue, such as, you know, pollution and environmentalism. But all they ever got were complaints about their pronunciation of certain Welsh words. Uh, in a letter saying, the reason I'm writing uh, is how to say chitin, which I don't know how to pronounce. Sorry, Welsh listeners. Um, I love your language. I'm terrible at it. Uh, uh, hilarity ensued behind with the production staff, um, which was fucking hilarious to them. They were so worried about uh, the fear of people being... Uh, angry at them for doing a story about pollution and people were just angry at them for fucking not pronouncing Welsh words right which you know considering how Wales was feeling at the time in the 1970s was yeah a little bit a little bit of a thing mm-hmm. um uh so also this in in this bit you sort of hear the brigadier call up and he talks to the prime minister whose name is Jeremy, which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek reference to Jeremy Thorpe, who at the time was essentially a a, a, a pseudo opposition leader, um, uh, because uh, big two parties, the Conservatives and the Labour Party, uh, the right wing and the left wing, essentially, um, uh, were were growing out of favour in the seventies. Uh, and so Jeremy Thorpe, who was the leader of the Liberal Party, which was uh, 
classic liberalism uh, was was rising a little bit, uh, and could and and Barry Letts they they were they were prominently appearing to be more of a a threat to the conservatives at the election. So Barry Letts was like, huh, maybe maybe he'll win, hopefully. So let's just jokingly say that he's the next prime minister. Also, he didn't want to like say that it was the Labour one because that would offend the current prime minister. Uh, uh, wait, was it the current prime minister? I can't fucking remember. Who cares about? Um, who cares? Uh, he he didn't want to offend Edward Heath. It was a the conservative uh party man. Uh, so that's why Jeremy is mentioned because again, remember. This is all meant to be technically set in the future. This isn't set in current day, which causes a lot of dating problems when it comes to certain stories down the line. But we're not talking about the unit dating crisis yet. We'll talk about that later when we get to the real problem in the 80s with uh, Mordred Undead, because that's where it really starts. Um, uh, but... Yes, that's uh that's that's why he calls him Jeremy. Also, uh Global Chemicals was initially called Universal Chemicals and then United Chemicals, but then they discovered that there was actually a real company with that, so they changed it to Global Chemicals. But the funny thing is there is also actually a company called Global Chemicals, they're just not based in the UK, so they didn't know about it. Uh so whoops. <laughs> oh no. But yeah. What happens in the next episode, dear? Um, well, the guy that was sent from Global Chemicals walks in, seeing the maggot go after Joe, and he's just like, ha yes. But then it goes for him instead, yes. and then the maggot leaves. Uh, it went out a window and left some goop behind. The milkman has driven up the road, uh, but the brigadier has like this, what would you call it? A, um, um... Roadblock, I guess. Gun? He's, no. What? A roadblock. <laughs> um, and he's like, hey, what's up? I'm here to deliver milk. And he's like, yeah, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm here to deliver milk. What are you doing here? Trying to blow some stuff up? And the Briggs like, fuck. <laughs> and he's like, all right, go through. Um, we see that the professor is willing to explain what's up, but the doctor half refuses and the green goo turns humans into maggot cells. And that's all that Joe really kind of gets. The Brig orders are from the Prime Minister. And the Doctor has 32 minutes or they're blowing up the mine, basically. Cut to them talking to the uh, general chemicals guy. And he's like, no, I don't believe anything you're fucking saying. Then good chemical bro walks in, as well as a fucker who I didn't realize who it was. It's Yates from Unit. I thought he was just some asshole. <laughs> but time yep, Mike is Yates up. Is back. The mine is exploded. Doctor's like, please leave and don't come back. And let's take care of this Yates fellow. And then the big boss calls in and basically makes fun of him and, and stop telling outsiders to do our work for us. Doctor's angry at the brigadier, because of course he is, and Joe and such. And the cleaning lady notices that there's maggots all in the pipe now at uh, General Chemicals. And they're even coming up out of the ground over by the brigadier. Good chemical bro talks to bad chemical bro, and they fight for a bit before one is locked in, <laughs> of course. 
Uh, he minor brainwashes him just to sit down, then puts the headphones on him, so now he's brainwashed. Brigadier and Benton are scouting all of the maggots everywhere, tell the doctor, and guns don't apparently work on them. They're armor-plated fucking apparently. Pesticides don't do anything, so let's do a biological strike. <sighs> yeah, they're immune to bullets. Doctor's like, instead, let's go get some oil waste from GC so that we can figure out how to kill these things. So they call Yates. We see that he's actually working from the Brigadier from the inside. Uh, we... Instead, take the place of the milk delivery guy and make our way inside. <laughs> so the doctor yep. is dressed as a milk delivery guy and goes inside. Joe and the professor are falling in love. But Joe drops dried fungus on the test slide and he gets pissed off at her and she's like, he's like, go away. I don't give a fuck anymore about you, you useless woman. And then the alarm goes off at GC for a milkman. So the doctor's like, okay, takes that off. Um, Joe is upset that the hippie professor isn't listening to her anymore, and he only wants her to get, like, kick coffee or something. So she writes something down and leaves. And then the doctor is now dressed up as an old lady, and Yates gets rid of the guard with him, and so they can talk. And we find out that Joe is looking for a maggot, because of course she fucking is. <sighs> the doctor's stuff is that he needs to be to at the top floor, but the director's the only one with a key. However, Professor Hippie sees... Um, the mushroom is actually a cure for the green shit, and he finally notices that oh, Joe fuck. left, and he's like, oh, fuck, I gotta go get her. So the doctor dresses semi-normal now, goes for the elevator, goes to the top floor somehow. There's weird machines there. The boss is like, hey, doctor, uh, what's up? I'm a computer. And then there's a whole bunch of, uh, a unit is sending a whole bunch of grenades and bombs and, or whatever, to kill all the maggots. It's a good thing Joe's not in there, right? That's the episode. Yep. Oh no, she's gonna. Anyway, um. Mm -hmm. So Stuart Bevan, who plays Professor Jones, and uh, Katie Manning, who plays Joe, were actually um a, a real life couple at the time. Um, uh, they hadn't tied the knot. This book says they were fiancés, but I can't seem to find anything that actually corroborates that. Mm. I, all I can find is that just they were together for a, a while. Um, they didn't end up staying together. They 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 split, um, and Katie Manning then got with Barry Crocker, uh, Australian dude. Uh, but they are still friends to this day, and they actually uh, came back together to film an adorable uh, promotional video uh, for the the release of the blu-ray box set of season of this season's uh episodes which was uh season eight sorry season eight's one uh, uh where where they uh have the remember the, joe's first story terror of the autons where there's the mannequin dudes with the giant heads handing out daffodils mm -hmm. yeah they they have a little story of 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 uh him walking in and being like oh joe i've i they're handing out these daffodils down. It's, it's disgust, disgusting. They're destroying the world with this plastic. And she's like, plastic daffodils? Oh, no. And then she goes out and then you see all the mannequin men walking and they're like, what do we do? It's it's adorable. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, they're still good friends to this day. Uh, initially, the director was a little bit resistant to uh, hire him because everyone was saying that he's perfect for the part and he had done a little bit of telly before. But he was worried about, you know, uh, the the 
the giving him a big part because he was worried it would seen be seen as like nepotism in a way because mm-hmm. it's like well he's kind of part of the family of the unit essentially uh but it works i think he's great as cliff um and he's good in that uh also uh robert sloman who's the writer uh claimed supposedly that the slightly stereotypical portrayal of the welsh in this story was there because of his bad experience of playing rugby against welsh teams when he lived in the west country <laughs> because of course it was um so it just of course um also something that i didn't notice until episode six and didn't fully realize until i was reading this uh, for episodes two, five, and six, the title sequence film over the closing credits was actually superimposed and played backwards and upside down, uh, because the film of it was played backwards through the machine in order to save time when they were recording. And it really confused me for a second, because I was like, wait, is that different? What is this? I don't understand. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it, dear, or if anyone else no, noticed it. I really it, didn't. I thought it was weird. Um, but yeah, what happens in the next part, dear? Um, the professor sees Joe running around and he chases after her. Doctor's like, goes like, hey, uh, I'm more than a machine. I'm human. So go fuck yourself. The computer is linked to a human brain. He's linked to Stevens, who is the GC baddie. He's only there really to help with profit and productivity. Cause of course he is. Joe is here to catch a maggot. And is stopped by the professor, then they run off together. Now it's time to bomb things! Run away from the bombing! Oh! And the doctor's like, wait, is that bombing? And then the doctor gives the computer an insolvable problem to fuck with it, and then he leaves. But the elevator also already has someone on it, so he's caught. The professor is fucking killed or knocked out, we're not sure, and trying to protect Joe. And the maggots are perfectly fine, so that sucks. Doctor has headphones on. He's just kind of doing his math in his head, though, so because it's not fucking with him. Joe's communicator also is broken, uh, so they're kind of fucked in this cave, and there's maggots outside. Bad GC guy wants to take over and all take all the profits, so he's like, I'm going to destroy the doctor. And then he's like, wait, no, I'm your bargaining chip. That'd be stupid. Doctor is now in a prison sort of thing while Joe repairs the communicator faster and faster. Yates goes to see the doctor while they try to escape. Um, and then Yates is caught while the doctor escapes. The doctor escapes in, I thought it was his milk truck. It was Bessie, I think, or he left in Bessie and, or left in the milk no, truck and got in Bessie. It's the milk truck, remember? Because I was, I, I was crying because there was spilt milk everywhere. <laughs> right. I forgot about that. I forgot about your terrible, terrible joke. Joe tries to call yep. into the brig. No one's answering. Then the doctor pulls up and finally gets through to Benton. And they're like, all right, now we know where everyone is. Everybody get in the car. And they drive. And then the doctor uses his screwdriver on the magnets, which makes them run away from the door. So they get the professor out into the car. Everybody's good. They leave. He's home now, but he's not great. And he's just like, serendipity, red bud. You know, that whole thing. He he just says serendipity. Um, also, his neck is green. So there's that. Yates is here. Mindwash, probably. Wants to kill the doctor. And he's like, but first I need to show you something for efficiency. 
pulls out the sassfire, sassfire, sapphire, sasquatch, mm-hmm. mind washes him, brainwashes him again, like again, again. <laughs> Uh, bad GC is fucking with another dude who is brainwashed now. And he's like, Yates, you need to go back. Is that okay? They think you're brainwashed. And he's like, yeah, sure. Boss and another dude are prepping for things around them. Yates comes in. And he's like, the doctor is dead. And he's like, well, okay. Uh, cool. Let's go kill Joe then because she's also an issue. And he's like, wait, no, I don't think we need to kill Joe. And then he calls this other dude in. And he's given Yates' gun, and he's like, stay here. Yates then uses the sapphire again to unhypnotize the dude, asks him what the fuck is going on, before what's-his-face bad dude hits the you-want-to-kill-yourself button with hearing this time. And and uh, that's the episode. What an episode. Yeah. Um... It's a personal anecdote. This watching this as a kid is actually where I learnt the word serendipity, and it's how I remember the word serendipity. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great word. Uh, it's a great word to read and and say and use in your everyday life. So if you didn't know about the word serendipity, now you do. Use it whenever you can. It's great. Um, it, it is it, for those. I don't remember if you said it. But it's it's serendipity is uh, a discovery made from an accident, which is a great mm-hmm. little great little phrase. Uh, so yeah, serendipity, use it wherever you wish. Um, so initially, they had a lot of C, a lot of the CSO stuff, the color separation overlay. I believe it's overlay. I keep forgetting if it's overlay or something else. Um, they they initially didn't have a lot of it in certain segments, like uh, uh, a fly segment and where uh, where the doctor is being uh, charged from the sky. Let's say uh, initially that was they wanted it to be attached to a helicopter and it be in the scene, but the weather was really shit and they were worried about what it would do. So they were just like, oh, let's just use CSO. We've gotten pretty good at using it. And yeah, they, 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 they've gotten pretty decent at it. It's better than what it used to be. Um, <laughs> that's for certain. Um, but it's still very, very noticeable. <laughs> <sighs> but speaking of things that are noticeable, uh, the director commented on the fact that the maggots looked so effective in the story because they were created in so many different ways. Uh, and apparently, according to the writer, uh, they were so effective that the crew actually avoided them. <laughs> like, the crew were like, uh, they're too close to real. They're too close to real maggots. Not not a fan. Do not want. Uh, stay, stay away. Um, but, uh, yes. Also, this is one of the weird few times in the show where the Doctor is shown consuming alcohol. Um, he drinks elderberry wine in episode three and asks to take a bottle with him. And then at the end of episode six, spoiler, he drinks a glass of champagne. Or what we presume is champagne. Mm-hmm. Uh, or some type of bubbly. Little bit of bubbly. Um, <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, it's it's a little bit weird uh, in that it's it, it is kind of new for the series. I mean, new series Doctor Who has the Doctor getting well pretending to be drunk at one point, uh, uh, but there is a whole heap of other things as well about that. But yeah, what happens in the next Last. episode? Um, the brig brings the doctor something, um, and now he's just checking out a bunch of stuff to find a cure, but they're brought a maggot. Well, it's a metamorphosis. It's a cocoon. It, it evolved into something. <gasps> um, Nancy shows that there's a dead maggot on the counter, though, because it touched the mushroom, so that's not great. It dies from the fungus. Boss computer's humming, wondering how Yates got unhypnotized, and they're like, let's experiment on him. Um, Bitten, with the help of Bessie and the doctor, tosses mushrooms to all the maggots, which they eat, and they die. And then we see a giant fucking fly that hatched from the maggot thing. Professor is dying, Joe's sad about it, Yates is moved to full processing and on the way escapes. Fly is attacking the doctor now. Bessie is stuck in the mud, but the doctor tosses his coat on it in midair, which kills it somehow. Back at the house, Joe admits that she had an accident with Cliff. They're like, that's it. That's the cure. Serendipity. And then, and then the brig is picking up all the maggots and Yate is like fucking runs up and goes, something's happening at 4 p.m. This isn't good. Brigadier is headed back to GC to, to talk to the dude. They won't let him in. Doctor shows up. They're setting up shit with the computer, and he's just kind of getting annoyed by boss talking. But then everyone in GC starts to have migraines because they're starting the elite slave thing. I didn't really give a fuck. Boss is having a good time, but they start phase two where the evil dude puts on headphones and, like, they mind meld... Joe applies a paste of mushrooms to the professor. He's calming down and feeling better, and he's awake now, and they kiss. The doctor runs in, sees Chemical Bro is pretty much taken over, and they're like, okay, I'm going to use this crystal, get you broken out. He's free of mind control, and he's like, get the fuck out of here. You got two minutes. I'm going to blow the place up. They do. And he does. So, yeah. Oh. Back at the village, Oops. the mushroom area, uh, Joe decides to stay with the professor, and then he just straight asks to marry her, which she agrees. They've known each other for like two days. Um, Unit's also going to fund them so they have unlimited money, so they're going to the Amazon together. Also here, have a giant fucking sapphire as a wedding present, Joe, because... Eh. And then the doctor drives away to never speak to Joe again, and that's the episode. That's the whole episode. That's that's the whole episode. It's over. Um, Yes. So Katie Manning had decided to leave. She she wanted to leave, but also she didn't want to leave at the same time as John Pertwee, who was um, every every year, basically, he was like, I don't know if I want to continue. So she was like, well, I don't want to leave at the same time as you. So because it'll minimize publicity she'll get because she'll get overshadowed by John Pertwee leaves. Uh, And, you know. If you leave the show, you want people to know you've left the show so you can get jobs and other things, especially in Doctor Who. Doctor Who, especially for the actors who play the Doctor, has a problem, massive problem of, of being typecast. Uh, like uh, Roger DeGaldo, when he was a master, he had a problem of not getting a lot of work 
because people would assume that he was just busy working on Doctor Who, and it's like, no, I'm I'm not. Like, hello, I can work on other things. Um. Uh, she we're getting offers that were a little bit unsuited for someone who was on a, a show popular with children. Uh, she did a whole heap of things here and there. Uh, most infamously, uh, she posed nude with a Dalek in a pinup, which mm-hmm. caused a massive uproar with uh, the the press. Uh, which you know. I still think to this day is hilarious. Um, when I say pose nude, I mean she was like naked, but she was covering herself mainly with Dalek. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she uh, did a stint around here, but she was gone. Um, she came back to reprise her role in uh, a a spinoff show of Doctor Who, and. Uh, she still works to this day on um at time of recording uh recording audio adventures uh of uh her and the third doctor who obviously isn't John Pertwee it's uh, a voice actor who sounds like him um and and she's enjoying her life she yeah she's a very eccentric person and it's very clear that she loves Doctor Who and her stint on the show but now she's gone from the show and we move on and now the Doctor has no companion. Um, that's the way of things, I guess. No companion for the third Doctor. Oh well. Aww. I guess we'll just end the show. Yep. Um, but uh, also, real quick, we mentioned it in Frontier in Space, but Monday after the transmission of episode five of this story was when Roger DeGaldo had died. Uh, so the sort of melancholic sense that was at the end of episode six was a little bit heightened by everyone even though it had already been filmed and edited and everything uh the sort of sense when it was released kind of it was a little bit more emotional to people because it was like man this is really the end of a, of a lot of things right now um and like because you know Roger DeGaldo is not coming yes. back as the master the master's not coming back uh but yeah after Long story short, Katie Manning went on to do a whole bunch of hippy dippy, uh, uh, programs. One even called uh, Serendipity. Funnily <laughs> enough, uh, <laughs> which I always found funny, but uh, yeah. So Green Death, what do you think? Like a five. I mean, there were. I was happy people actually like died for once. Like they didn't. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like that, they didn't skirt around it or anything. But no, I, I know. know. I, I mean, well, the, that's the, the thing is, seventies Doctor Who tends to not skirt around it. It's just the previous episodes they were trying to skirt around it because remember you have like the press occasionally being like Doctor Who is too violent, and you had William Hartnell himself coming out and saying it's 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 crap now. It's all just violence, senseless violence. So. They toned it down a little bit, but then they were like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> like, yeah. this is important. Like, this is an important story. In order to do a story like this, you need to show that people are going to get killed. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I enjoyed that, yeah. but for the most part, I was just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair. It is, it is a very, it, it's a, it's a memorable episode, but I don't really consider it 
the best that the 70s has to offer. Um, it is very, very, very 70s in its uh, hippie nature with uh, the literal hippie commune, kind of, uh, and the, the environmental message and pollution. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah. Anyway, that's the end of season 10 now. Uh, up next is season 11. Oh, wow. We're moving on from 1973 to 1973, because oh the seasons were basically back-to-back. -back. Um, welcome to uh, season 11 with the next episode, uh, The Time Warrior. Hmm. Also, dear, I hope you enjoyed the fact that each one says uh, episode one or episode two. Uh, whoops. Uh, nope, they no longer say that anymore. They now say part one and part two, which makes it much easier to actually talk about the fucking episode. Because hmm. <laughs> then you go, oh, what happened in this episode? Well, in episode one of, of this episode, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Time Warrior. Uh, anything else you want to say? <laughs> nah. I'm good. Okie dokie. Hope you enjoy fighting in time. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. Goodbye.